You're listening to The Dropouts. Well, welcome to episode 10 of The Dropouts. I'm Jess. And I'm Morgan. And we are talking about tenacity today. The big the big one oh. We hit double digits, you guys. This is this is a big deal. I know they say seven seven episodes is the average where where podcasts kind of sizzle out. We've made it past that. And now we're in the mm-hmm. double digits. So we we're we're doing it. We're doing the damn thing. Still. Ten weeks. <laughs> we're not stopping. Ten week anniversary. Ten weeks. Which is in high school relationships a big deal, you know, so it must be. <laughs> it's a huge remember, like we should do you remember call our moms school, like we've been dating for like seven weeks we're going out to dinner to celebrate <laughs> like seven whole weeks 52 huh? wow. days 52 yeah. and a half days since yeah. brad asked me out brad yeah we are brad. we are going to have seven children yeah we played mash this is so. where we're getting yeah <laughs> we're gonna live in a shack but we're working on it <laughs> Uh, I would always, I would always redo that. I'd be like, nope, not, not settling on Shaq. We're gonna redo the mash. Yeah, was, <laughs> mash. Is there a high school on this planet that had where mash was not a thing? I I hope I not. So. Well, it probably it doesn't exist anymore. I'm sure there's probably I think there's an app for it, <laughs> like everything. <else. laughs> if there's not, maybe that's a money making opportunity. <laughs> We'll, we'll cut that out. We'll cut <laughs> Don't that take out. it from us. Ours, I'm just kidding. Ours. No, we've got we've got too many businesses. Someone else needs to do it. Um, but yeah, we're talking about tenacity today, which um, I definitely googled it <laughs> to make sure I knew for sure what the word meant because it's something that like I live by. But you know, I like basic words. I don't. I actually no, I like fancy words. But I I was just to make sure I was on the same page. And we'll we'll kind of go over what we mean by that and how and, and some really Morgan's got some really good stories about people that you well we'll we'll get to it <laughs> we'll get to it yeah and for anyone I mean I think most people have a general idea of what tenacity is but like when I think of tenacity I think of like resilience or grit and kind of it's when you make the decision to go for something and then you sink into your resolve to do that thing or to make it happen. That's what I think of when I think of tenacity is like grit or willpower or just doing it with your full self. And I see it as visualizing something as available to you as happening before it even has. It's like the unrockable faith that you're going to accomplish that thing. Yes. And so when, if you're listening to this and you're like tenacity, I know that word, but I don't really know that word. Just think of like resilience and grit. It's basically going for the thing you want. That's what tenacity is. And even in the face of all the adversity and obstacles and things that will come up on the path to get to the thing or to accomplish the thing that you want, going for it anyways, because there's going to be obstacles. That's just life, right? You read a book or you have a book, right? That's about, it's called Grit, right? Is it called Grit? Yeah. So it's it's a pr- very popular or well-known book, I, I believe, at least. Actually, my dad had given it to me or or given me the recommendation quite a long time ago, probably in undergrad, which was <laughs> close to 10 years ago. <laughs> okay. I feel like I just got a couple of wrinkles just hearing that. I feel like I've heard um, it. Yeah. So Angela Duckworth, well, it started, mo- I think it was before the book came out. 
uh, she did a TED talk. It was like six minutes long. It's at like, this was like in 2013. It's almost 27 million views. Um, it's one of like the higher viewed TED talks. Um, but um, she was in a corporate job at 27 years old. She transitioned to being a seventh grade teacher and she realized that there there was more than just a difference of IQ level between the best and the worst students that she had. And, you know, she did the whole teaching thing. She ended up leaving teaching to pursue a PhD in psychology, really studying the brain and, I mean, well, all the psychology things. But she wrote this book called Grit. And she, she and you know, grit and tenacity and willpower, they're all kind of similar. They're not totally the same. Um, but they all kind of tie into the subject that we're talking about today. And she defines grit as the passion and perseverance to achieve meaningful and long-term goals, which I feel like that can be kind of surface level, or you can really like think deeper into grit and tenacity and what it really means. Cause it's like, you can look at that and be like, oh yeah, well, of course you're, you know, you're persevering, you're doing things, but it's like, until you experience that, you, you know, you the, the challenges, the dead ends, the roadblocks, failures, like people with grit and tenacity have the strength of character to sustain whatever commitment during those tough times rather than, you know, succumb to the temptation to quit. So she did studying. She, one of the things she mentioned is, is building like, and what the book is essentially about is building like what grit is and building grit in our nation's children and grit she really emphasizes that it's it's having the stamina like sticking with the future and the goals that you have for yourself and where you want to be day in and day out it's not a sprint it's a marathon just keeping going which i I think like i said at the surface level that seems very basic and it's like well duh like keep going keep working towards your your dreams or your goals or whatever but it's like you know when you're actually stuck in the trenches and you're dealing with whatever obstacles are thrown your way it's it's a lot easier said than done to like really push through those and i know that's a bit of overarching theme i think of our podcast um and now we're kind of talking about it at a more i think literal level but one of the things that she talked about in this TED Talk, which we can link it in the show notes. I think it's a really cool TED Talk. It's very short. Um, and I think I actually watched it in school. One of my professors pulled it up, but I rewatched it yesterday. One of the things that I think there was a research done at Stanford University about what they call growth mindset. And that's what they use to teach kids or they the term in teaching kids grit. And essentially, it's the ability to learn that things are not necessarily fixed and that the ability to learn itself can change with effort. So it's not completely dictated by a person's literal IQ level. You know, that's what she observed when she was a teacher. The the way they do this is they have kids read and learn about the brain and how it changes and grows in response to challenge. The study saw that that kind of translated to how they persevered with facing failure and seeing that failure is not permanent it's temporary and you can push past that and you can you know change and grow in response to those challenges just like their brain um one of the things she has a quiz on her site that you can it's like 10 questions or something to get like a quick 
number out of five. It's called the grit scale. <laughs> and I took it. that again yesterday. <laughs> yeah. What'd you get? Um, 2.9 out of five. It's so, and I wasn't super shocked. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what is that? Like a, like a D? I don't know. But yeah, that's like not great. Um, and a lot of the questions I recognize that a lot of it has to do with focus and things that I know are not, don't come super easily to me in the realm of focus. I don't let ADHD define me. I'm very open about my journey with that. And I recognize how my brain works. And sometimes I find that my focus wavers. <laughs> and that's kind of like the opposite of grit. Grit's like you focus and you stick on that. And you don't waver. You don't shift this way or that way. Like you stick with it. It's kind of like a harsh like I just got this visualization of like a border collie on a sheep that they're trying to herd. Like, have you ever seen those videos of a border collie and they're pure, like every ounce of their energy is just zeroed in on that one sheep or the herd mm-hmm. of sheep that they're trying to move. And if they ever come toe to toe with just one of them and they're trying and it's like being challenging or whatever, like the focus that that dog has is just unbreakable focus. That's what it reminds me of when I get that visualization of I just. Wish. <laughs> Like it's like the opposite of normal dogs. Dog. Yeah, yeah. I I'm the I am the lab that's like squirrel, and then I'm like, oh shit. Oh yeah. Distracted by. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. And uh, yeah, so that quiz I was like, and I was very honest. You know, I could have been like, oh yeah, like I focus and I never change, but like no, I know that sometimes, and I and I think. And I tell a lot of like the people in my maker mentorship program that it's good to have goals, but also to give yourself grace if following your curiosity leads to shifting goals a little bit. Because if you're in kind of that, I don't know, in between where you're trying to figure out where you really want to take your business and you're shifting things here and there and you have this idea and you're like, Oh, this is what I really want to do. But a couple weeks down the road, you realize like you've been doing it, you've been working towards the goal and you realize that it's really not fulfilling you. So I guess this is kind of like kind of an argument against some of the things that they say with grit, which I don't know. I would say it depends how honest you are with yourself. You know, like, yeah, how like it's truly about what is your level of honesty? Like, are you backing out of something because it got hard or are you backing out of something because you're realizing it doesn't actually align with what your true authentic self wants to pursue? And being very honest with yourself and saying, I've realized this is not my true purpose or my true path versus using it as an excuse when it got hard. Yes. And only you know that as a person. And sometimes people external of you can look at look at it and say, oh, I'm seeing something. And then, you know, maybe it brings it to your awareness or something. But it's like, are you using things as an excuse to back out? Or have you simply shifted what or come to a realization of something that would light you up more? And only you will yeah. really know that only you will know because people can look at my story or your story. Yeah. And they see like, Oh, well they like, I mean, that's our our whole podcast, the dropouts. Like we dropped out of healthcare and that path that we were pretty determined. And I, I know I was like very just stuck on it. I like ignored. And then we've talked about this. I ignored all of the, the signals inside and 
external signals that I was like, this isn't fulfilling me, but I kept going and ignoring those. And then, you know, you build the resentment. It's like a whole cycle. So I feel like this is, like you said, it really comes down to honesty where that's coming from. And you're not, you know, shifting because it's getting hard or because of whatever limiting belief you think you can't do it or whatever it may be, you're shifting because, you, you know, you're doing something that's not completely fulfilling you. So it really comes down to being honest and getting real with yourself. And yeah. And I think like a, a common, do, but... common theme that I would add to that is if you listen to stories of any of the greats, any of the people that we know as great people, you know, great accomplishers and whatever it is that they have pursued, whether it's Michael Jordan or uh, Michael Jackson or, you know, all of those people have tenacity, but it was in pursuit of something that lit them up. And I think when you're being tenacious for a goal that does not align with you, then that's torture. Like if I would have said, I want to be a nurse practitioner, regardless of every internal thing about me saying, this is not for you and just done it anyways, it wouldn't have, there would have been no happiness on the other side that I was tenacious and did it anyways. It would have felt like a betrayal of self. But when you are tenacious in a goal that actually lights you up and you feel that that really is part of your journey and you know, you have this knowing like, that's meant for me, then tenacity serves you and feeds you in the process. I think there's a differentiation too of, of like you said, getting honest over what is your end goal and is it actually something you want? Because I think tenacity can either be torture or it can be great empowerment when you do reach that goal. You know, what was what was the cost of it? And if the co- if the return of investment was something you actually wanted, then it was worth it. So not to interrupt you, I just I no, that's was... yeah. No, I think it's a very. I think I completely agree, and I, I think that this choosing this topic today was not entirely coincidental. We were, we re-recorded our last episode. We had those technical difficulties. Um, what? It literally Friday, did not Thursday. record any of my stuff the last time. <laughs> Just me the talking first... to myself. So like she messaged me and she was like, um, our message or our, um, our episode did not record anything that you said. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So we had to re-record all of episode nine about, self-care that was a whole re-record Jess and I were like well what should our next one be and we're like tenacity but I think both of us have been going through (laughs) some tumultuous experiences with our businesses or with where we want to take things I think it's fitting because I, I think when people listen to us sometimes they think that we have it all figured out or that we are cruising through things unabashed by anything external that we are just embodying everything that we teach with, you know, which we are embodying it, but it is not easy. Yes. This isn't easy, you know, and, and yeah, for like us we're, to sit here and tell you yeah. that any of this is easy, it's not, it can be easy, you know, it can't, <laughs> all of this can be easy. It's just a matter of like, how much resistance do you have to letting go of those old stories and those old beliefs and allowing the new stuff to come in, but it is a process. It's a practice. Right. And so, and you know, we only have control over so much in our lives and, there are going to be things that happen to you, to your business, to your family, to your friends, to circumstances that you have nothing, no control over. And only you have control over what you decide to think of that thing or how you decide to proceed. You know, like I can't help how long the cargo ships are going to take to get from overseas 
to my studio to deliver the things I need to make my candles. I have no control over that. None right now. All I can do is decide how I'm going to react to it and respond. Could I say, never mind, this business isn't for me. I'm throwing in the towel. I don't have anything I need right now. It's a sign from the universe. Or could I just say, nope, we're just going to use it as a learning experience and figure out what we can do in this situation to make it happen. And that's what I'm doing. Like, that's just an example. But for, I think what I just wanted to point out is that both Jess and I are constantly bumping up against all of these concepts that we teach, all of these concepts that we talk about, including being tenacious and including finding that grit and that resilience and that resolve to make things happen. You know, it's, it can be challenging, but we've made a decision to pursue these things. And that matters because I know when we talked about um, decision-making in the episode, you know, about decision-making, I said, you cannot talk about making decisions without talking about tenacity. And you can't talk about failure without talking about tenacity. Like these, they're all interconnected. All of these topics are interconnected. But tenacity is really a common theme in every single topic because you can make a decision, but if you don't have tenacity, you're not going to follow through. And you can make a decision, but if you come across a failure, what you perceive to be a failure and you don't have tenacity, you're going to quit. So tenacity is kind of almost the glue that holds all of the other concepts together is how much are you going to go for it and stick to it? And tenacity is the glue that holds all of these concepts together. Because if you don't have tenacity, one wrong thing is going to happen. You're going to throw the towel in or one hiccup is going to happen. You're going to be like, well, never mind. It's not for me. So tenacity is like Jess said, it's a character trait, but you can build that muscle. You can decide Mm -hmm. to have tenacity. You can decide to do it with, with your whole self. It's one of, I mean, it's one of the pillars of like a great leader. And I mean, a leader can be many things, whether you're a business owner or a leader in your job or a parent. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) parents, moms and dads they've got tenacity they're not dropping their kids off at the fire station like they're like all right like we're we're gonna do this even though they just shit all over the floor like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's so, a great example <laughs> and you said you didn't bring anything to the table today <laughs> <laughs> that's what kids do right <laughs> they shit I on think, the floor yeah, they're they just like dogs diaper off no they definitely do. they do so uh for amanda duckworth she is there anything else about her message or story or yeah i mean and there and like i said she's got a whole book about it i admittedly have not finished it so i guess it's okay. not very tenacious of me <laughs> um i do i am go i have the book on my kindle i do want to do the audiobook because i think it's something that i can listen to in the shop and i don't need to like take a bunch of notes or annotate or whatever annotate, um that's a great word annotate bring bringing me back to my college days sometimes I forget that I went to college for a very long time <laughs> <laughs> I really do because I've got my two brain cells are like bumping together they've boop, boop. It's the spray paint sometimes they high five and then the word annotate comes out <laughs> I actually have a thesaurus pulled up of like words that make me sound smart and that was one of them no, I'm just kidding are you kind serious of. um <laughs> I'm kidding I'm totally kidding <laughs> Like, you're you like really maybe she does <laughs> anyways <laughs> okay sorry go on 
no, I I think that pretty much wraps that part up. I want you to tell us all about the stories that you have. Like I said, tenacity is kind of that unrockable faith that you are going to accomplish that thing or have that thing. And the more that I study research and absorb information, because if you don't know, I have another podcast called The Daily Dash. And one of the things that I've implemented weekly is to tell one story of somebody who has this incredibly inspiring story that their journey was full of what we would commonly identify as obstacles and how they achieved things anyways, despite all of those obstacles. And I'm realizing that every single person that I have researched, which I have listened to an abundance of podcasts and read books and been really inundating myself with stories of these people, every single person who's been successful has one thing in common, every single one, and it's tenacity. It's tenacity because along everyone's journey, someone has told them no, or that they shouldn't be doing that thing, or people have planted seeds of doubt or insecurity or fear in that person. And I've been doing a lot of this research and every single one of them, they chose tenacity. They looked inward and they said, this is for me and this is going to happen and I will find a way. And the difference between people who have advanced to that next tier and the people who, you know, don't, who came to going back to where they came from or going back to their old job or shrinking themselves in one way or another. So the difference between the people who advanced to the next tier and those who didn't is what they chose to water, right? So you can indeed choose to water the seeds that other people are planting for all the reasons why something isn't going to work or why you shouldn't want to do something or why you shouldn't do something. Or you can choose to plant your own seeds of all the reasons that it will work and water those. So what you water and what you nourish and what you tend to is what's going to grow. And you get to decide what that is. So when you decide to pursue something that genuinely lights you up, you decide to do it. You don't waffle back and forth, right? Because decisions are not up for negotiation. What happens if you haven't actually decided to do something, decided, yes, I'm doing this thing, is that when it gets hard, you're going to find all the excuses to back out or crawl back into your den of comfort, right? Like if you have kind of like, I'm maybe going to do this thing, you haven't decided. When you say I'm trying to, what you're saying is I'm giving myself an out when it gets hard versus the energy of I am. I am doing this. I am is a powerful statement. And I've also been doing a lot of reading and listening to a lot of spiritual leaders. And a common theme with spiritual leaders is that they teach you that I am is one of the most powerful things that you can think, say, and embody. I am. Listen to how it sounds. Listen to how this sounds. For example, I'm trying to start a business. What does that even mean that you're trying? Are you or aren't you? Versus I am a successful business owner. Even if you're just in the beginning stages of your business, why not assign success to your vision? Why not harness the power of I am so that it becomes you are? And another way to phrase things is I will. So when you say I will, you are literally willing it into existence. And there is a mindfulness that comes to this phrase, I think, because there is depth to I will, because you can say I will start a business and that could be 10 years from now, or you can say I will have a business in three weeks started. You know, there's intention and there's mindfulness and there's clarity when you say I will do something. Um, so I think there's power behind I will, but there's also 
an intentionality behind it and there has to be depth to the I will because I will can also waffle if you don't if you're not careful with I will and what I also want to offer is that I don't think you have to have all the answers when you decide to do something because here's the honest to God truth is nobody does because you cannot read the future you don't have a crystal ball that's going to say all of the things that will present themselves to you in your journey, right? And there's good things and there's better things. And I purposely did not say that there's bad things that will happen because I don't believe that there are bad things that happen. There's only lessons. And even in bad things, quote unquote, bad things happening to you, you went bankrupt or your husband left or um, there was a fire that burned down your entire business and now you have to start from scratch. Like in the moment, those things seem bad, but there are lessons and there's good that can come out of every bad experience. So that's where grit comes in, right? Like, yes, yeah, something quote unquote bad happened, but is it really bad or did it just open a different door? Did it just offer you a new perspective? Did it actually give you a new chance to start something or to look at things with a different lens? So what do you choose to take from the lesson? What interpretation can you make from a quote unquote bad situation. It's all about the lens that you prescribe to, right? It's all lessons at the end of the day, just like failures are not failures, they're lessons. Some people think failure is bad. I don't, I don't think failure is bad. I think failure is simply just information. It's a way to navigate, right? So when it clicks for you, you will realize that none of this is actually as complicated as it sounds because all you have to do is decide. And all you have to do is make the shift from wanting to do something to deciding to do something. All you have to do is relent your stories that you can't have or do or experience something and replace it with I can and I am. Okay, so I want to read this page from Jen Sincero's book, You Are a Badass. It's on page 199 if you want to look it up. But she's talking about birthing your dreams, right? And, And having this dream and trying to get it to come true. Okay, so she says this. Birthing your dreams is like giving birth. Conceiving the idea is the fun part, hopefully, and then you go through insane amounts of fear and excitement and dreaming and planning and vomiting and growing and thinking you're crazy and thinking you're awesome and stretching and shape-shifting until you're practically unrecognizable to everyone, even your own self. Along the way, you clean up your puke and you massage your aching back and apologize to all the people whose heads you ripped off in a hormonal killing spree, but you stay the course because you know this baby of yours is going to be the bomb. Then, finally, just when you think you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, labor starts. Your innards twist and strangle and force you to stumble around, hunched over in the shape of the letter C, while you breathe and pray and curse, and just when you think it can't get any more out of your mind painful, a giant baby head squeezes out of a tiny hole in your body. Then, a full-blown miracle happens. In order to change your life and start living a new one you've never lived before, your faith in miracles and yourself must be greater than your fear. Just like birthing this idea that you have of birthing and and not only having an idea, but bringing it into existence is like, it's literally like birth. There's a lot of painful moments. There's a lot of beautiful parts of it too, but there is going to be hard parts. But what's the result of it? Something so wanted, something so beautiful, something so precious. I think that's like such a powerful metaphor or story or 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 way to think of your dreams is yeah it's like birthing a child it's like birthing a child and it's not always going to be point a to point b with no obstacles that's unrealistic 
And so I want to tell you guys a story. I'm just going to tell one story. Um, I have another story that I think is really amazing about Howard Schultz on the Daily Dash, which I will link in the show notes if you guys want to listen to it. But I just want to bring to everyone's attention that pretty much everyone thought Starbucks was a dumb idea. Start The Starbucks that we know today. Everyone was like, that's never going to work. And he did it anyways. And look what happened. He created an iconic worldwide global brand. Not just like, hey, that guy in our town was has one successful coffee shop. His story is out of, it's, it's crazy. It's bananas. It's and insane. it's because he had a vision. He had a vision for something that he saw and he knew he could make happen. And everyone around him was like, mm, I don't know. That sounds kind of dumb. You're going to sell coffee. How much? How much are you selling coffee for out of a paper cup? How's that going to work? He's like, well, I just know that it is. And because he was tenacious and followed what he knew to be true, he birthed Starbucks as we know it today. So I'm going to link that because I won't tell the story all over again if you can just listen to it on the Daily Dash. But that is a wonderful story. And if you like the story I'm about to tell you and how I tell it, I recommend that you go listen to that one too, because I'm going to tell you a story because I think these are really powerful to hear other people's trials and tribulations and see how they came out on the other side. That's where inspiration is, right? Somebody that really, really embodies tenacity to me is Steve Harvey. And his story makes me cry. So I'm going to really try to tell it without tears, but it's so powerful. And I always want to remind people, if he can do it, so can you. If she can do it, so can you. There is no difference between me, you, them. It's about making the decision to do it and then doing it. That's the difference. They had tenacity. They just did it. They just did it. They decided and then they went for it. So when Steve Harvey was a child, I don't know if you guys know this, but he had a really bad stammer. He had a really profound stutter. And he didn't have it at home, but anytime he went out in public, it was very pronounced. And when he was in sixth grade, they're all sitting in their desk and a teacher handed out an assignment to all the students. And it was a piece of paper that asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she instructed, put your name on it and turn it in. So Steve Harvey wrote one sentence. He said, I want to be on TV. So everyone turns in their piece of paper and she begins to go down the list and read what all the students wrote. You know, firefighters, doctors, basketball players, lawyers, police officer. And she gets to Steve's name. Instead of reading his answer for him, like she did with everybody else, she says, Stevie, come up to the front of the class and read what you wrote. So he lights up. He's like, I thought I was going to get a gold star. My answer must have been so much better than everybody else's. I've never had a gold star before. This is incredible. He said, I was so excited. Little did I know. She wasn't calling me up to give a gold star. She was calling me up to humiliate me. And she says, why would you write something like this on your paper? And he recalls in that moment when he was trying to answer her, but he has this really pr pronounced stutter. And so he's like, I, 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 and she said, who do you know in this school that's ever been on TV? And he's, uh, 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 who in your family has ever been on TV? Who in this neighborhood has ever been on TV? And he's trying to answer, right? He's trying, I, 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 and he's trying with all his might to get these answers out. And she says, and look at you, you can't even talk. How are they going to put someone like you on TV? And then she proceeds to accuse him of being a smart aleck. She pins this note to his chest. So when he gets home, 
he has to answer to his parents. So after school, she calls his mom, tells her what happened. He's being a smart aleck in class. And so he gets home and his mom is livid, angry. She said, wait till your father gets home and hears about this. And so Steve, you know, a sixth grader who answered with sincerity, with authenticity, with his true self of what he really wanted, is sitting on the porch waiting for his dad to get home because he knows he's going to get what he calls a whooping for this answer. And so his dad gets home, Steve's on the porch, and he says, why why is Steve on the porch? And his mom says, well, because he was being a smart aleck in school and you need to teach him a lesson. And uh, the dad says, well, what happened? And they tell him he wrote this answer on this piece of paper. And the dad says, well, what's, what did you write? And Steve says, I wrote I wanted to be on TV. And his dad asks, well, what's wrong with that? So there is an argument that ensues between his mom and his dad about what should be done with Steve over this answer. Steve gets sent to his room. So Steve's in his room and his dad eventually comes in and he sits down and he says, well, what did she want you to write on the paper? Steve says, I don't know, dad, what all the other kids wrote, basketball player or a lawyer or a doctor. I don't know, dad. I just wrote what I wanted. And so his dad says, take your paper and put it in your drawer. Write a different answer on this piece of paper, hand it into your teacher tomorrow. But you take your paper that you wrote and you put it in your drawer. And every morning and every night you pull out that paper and you read it. That is your paper. And Steve said what he learned in that moment is that writing down your dreams is a marker of success for people. He said anything you can see in your mind, you can hold in your hand. And that was a lesson he took from his dad. He still has that piece of paper to this day. So fast forward, Steve's in his early 20s, and he has a friend that he's been writing jokes for. And his friend gives him a little bit of money here and there for these jokes. And his friend will say, I've got this joke, and I want to tell it this way. And Steve will go, no, man, you can't tell it that way. Tell it this way instead. He finally asks his friend, what do you do with all these jokes? And his friend answered him very vaguely. He said, I just tell them to other people. So one day, they're all hanging out, and this girl is with them named Gladys. And she says to Steve, why are you writing these jokes for AJ when you could be telling them yourself? And Steve doesn't really know what she's talking about. And she goes, he tells them down at the comedy club. And Steve had never heard of a comedy club up until this point. So he's like, well, what is that? She's like, I'm going to take you. So she picks Steve up, takes him to a comedy club. He puts his name in for next week to be on stage and tell some jokes. And he, this is the first time he's ever experienced this. So they're all sitting there. And he said, I was sitting there. I wasn't laughing at anyone. I was just taking it all in. And he's sitting there mesmerized. And he finally realizes that these people are doing what he wants to do. So he put his name in, of course, to tell jokes the next week. And he's got a plate full of chicken wings and some grapefruit juice. And he's just watching the show. And all of a sudden, over the mic, the announcer comes on and they say, Hey folks, we had a cancellation tonight. So we're actually, is uh, Steve Harvey in the house? If you want to come up and we'll bump you up from next week to tonight. And Steve is sitting there with a, you know, handful of chicken wings, like eating them, right? And he looks at his friend Gladys. He goes, somebody has the same name as me. (laughs) And she goes, you dummy, it's you. So he's like, I'm not prepared. I don't have, I didn't, I didn't even, now keep in mind, Steve didn't even know what a comedy club was. He'd never experienced this before. So now all of a sudden he's ushered on stage 
And he says, you know, I I wasn't planning this. And he kind of gets some laughs. And then Gladys yells, tell him about the boxing. Tell him the story about boxing. And so Steve goes, okay. So he tells the story about boxing. And he has the crowd just hysterically laughing. And at the end of the show, all 10 people that were on stage that night telling jokes line up. And the announcer does a clap off. And Steve won the clap off and he got 50 bucks. And they leave the club and they get in Gladys's car and he starts crying. She goes, what are you crying for? He said, because that's me. That's me. He said it wasn't about the $50. It was that he realized that was him. That's what he was meant to be doing. So he goes to work literally the next day and he tells his friend Russell, I'm going to quit my job today. I'm going to quit. And Russell looks at him and says, what? Steve says, I, now this is a really important part of the story. If you listen to this story and I'll link where I heard this story from Steve Harvey in the show notes, but this is so important. He says, I am a comedian, not I'm trying to be a comedian, not I'm going to be a comedian. He said, I am a comedian. That's a huge lesson in this. I'm a comedian. So Steve goes to his desk. He packs up all of his possessions and he walks into his boss's office. He says, Tom, something happened to me last night that changed my life. And I'm, I'm going to be a professional comedian, so I won't be coming back to work. And Tom looks at him, really confused, and he says, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I haven't heard you say one funny thing since you started here. So I'm going to pretend you didn't just tell me that. You're going to walk back out to your desk, and you're going to put yourself back, and we're going to pretend we never had this conversation. And Steve says, you know what, Tom, you're right. Thank you. That was dumb. Shouldn't have said that. Thank you. Goes back to his desk, starts unpacking this box one by one. And his friend Russell comes over and he says, I thought you were quitting. Steve says, yeah, but I went to talk to Tom and he said he ain't never heard me say anything funny and it's just a pipe dream. And Russell said, well, man, you're going to let him talk you out of it just like that. You're the funniest guy I know. And in that moment, Steve had this realization of how much power he just gave away to somebody else. How does anyone else know what you should be doing with your life? How can anyone tell you what you should be doing? So he walks back in and he says, hey, Tom, I'm going for it. And he quit. So Steve then goes on a mission to pursue comedy. And to condense the story a little bit, he finds himself broke and he's living in his car. But he felt in his very being that this was the right decision. So I want you to keep this in mind. He was 37 years old. He wasn't 19. He was 37. And he was homeless. And he lost his family because he made the decision to go for his dream. And he was struggling. And for three years, he lived out of his car pursuing his dream. And he said, my mom never knew I was homeless. I couldn't bring myself to tell her. I told her I was staying with friends or that I was traveling. He said, but what I did have her do, what she did agree to do for me, is he set up an answering machine in in her attic. So it's just a phone line with an answering machine. And I don't know the demographic of people listening to this, but that's pre-cell phone, right? You could call the line to your answering machine from, you know, a landline, and it would let you know the messages that you had. So you could call from a hotel, you could call from, you know, 
a pay phone to get your messages. So he set up this answering machine in his mom's attic so he could call back to the answering machine to see if he had any gigs. And one day, Steve's washing himself up in a bathroom, in a hotel bathroom. He said, I used to go to these hotel bathrooms and I used to choose the nicer ones because they had the really nice rags and they had the really nice soap. And that's how I would wash up. So he said, I, I used to get a handful of warm washcloths and I would go into the stall and I would wet my body. And then I would go get another handful with soap and I would soap myself down. And then I would go and get another handful of clean water to wash it off in a bathroom stall in a hotel. And he said one day he went in, he was washing up and he didn't realize there was a huge conference there that day and they had let out for breakfast. And he's in the stall. He had just put soap all over his body. And all of a sudden, this parade of people is coming in the bathroom. And he can't go back out to get some wash rags to clean himself off because there's people in and out, in and out, in and out. And so he sat in that stall for 45 minutes waiting for people to stop coming in and out. And he said, in that moment, I felt so defeated. He said, I took the towels I had. I put them on the toilet seat. I sat down and I just started sobbing. Here I was, 38 at this time. The soap had dried to his skin. He had no way of washing it off. He was homeless. He had $35 to his name. He was at his wit's end. He was broke. He's sobbing in the stall. So he's in Florida. He's going to take that $35. And he's decided I'm giving up. I'm going to drive back to Ohio. He's finally able to wash off. He goes out, and before he leaves, he calls the answering machine. And there's a message on there from a man of the name Chuck Sutton, who is really known in the comedy industry. He said, hey, Steve, this is Chuck Sutton at the Apollo. We saw a tape of you, and we have an opening for you this Sunday night. All you have to do is get here. Let us know if you can make it. So Steve is like immediately just enthralled because the Apollo is like a world-known theater. That's his chance to get on TV. But then he has this immediate sinking feeling. It's Thursday. The Apollo Theater is in New York. And he realizes that this performance could change his life, but he can't even get there. He has no way of getting there. He said, I have $35. I can't even feed myself and get home. Sitting in his car, and he starts crying. He said, the one time I can get on TV, the one time I can get my big break, I can't even get there. So he thinks I should call back and see if they said this Sunday. Maybe he said next Sunday. So he calls back and sure enough, it's this Sunday. But then he notices at the end of the message, he hears another beep, which means there's another message at the, on the line. So he plays it. And the message is from a guy named Tom from the Comedy Caravan. And he says, I've got a gig for you in Florida tomorrow night. It's $150 if you can get there. So Steve is like, I'm 100 miles away from that place. I can get there. I can get there. So he drives there and he does this gig and the guy pays him $150. And he said, you were so good. I'm actually going to cancel the guy on Saturday night. I'll give you $300 if you do that show. Steve says, I'll do that show. So now Steve has $475 to his name and he calls Chuck back at the Apollo and he says, I'm going to be there. And he drives straight up and gets to the Apollo, does a show, 
gets a standing ovation. He'd made it on TV. This was the moment he was waiting for. He was so close to turning around and going home. And Steve says this, everybody has a turn back moment in their life. Everybody has a moment where they just want to turn around and go back. It's too far, it's too hard, it's too steep, it's too long. I'm exhausted, I've lost my patience, my faith is weak. I'm just gonna go back to where I was safe, where I didn't have to feel all of these things. The sad thing about it is most people take the turn. They make the U-turn and they head back. And he said, you can never give up. And he ends up being on TV, right? Like we know Steve Harvey, he's got a morning show, he's got an afternoon show, He's got a show in the evening. I mean, he's he's literally, you could turn the TV on at any time and he's on TV. He's written books. And you know what he did for years when he first became successful and he was on TV? The teacher that told him that he would never be on TV, he sent her a TV every single year because he wanted her to know he was on TV. And I strongly encourage you to listen to, I'll link it in the show notes, but listen to the story firsthand from him. It will make you weep. I'm telling you, I was like making candles yesterday, listening to this story. And I was like sobbing because it's powerful. It's moving. And I can tell you this story and it, it means something, right? But when you hear it from the person who experienced it, it has, it's so much more exponentially powerful than I can ever convey, but that's the beauty in it. We all have the, the choice to carry on or to turn around. If he wouldn't have checked his message one more time, he would have missed that opportunity. We might not know Steve Harvey. So the little boy who had a stuttering problem, who was told, you're not good enough for TV, who was told by a boss, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Who lived in a car for three years, broke. He did not give up and look where it got him. That is the message I wanna leave with you guys today. If you want to do something, you can do it. And I was actually gonna talk about this with Jess before the show, but it seems like a good place to put it in now. All the time on my TikToks, I see people. I mean, you can go scroll through the comments. I wish I could do what you're doing. What do you mean you wish you could? You can. The only difference between me and you is that I decided to do it. When you say I wish, you're the only person holding yourself back from anything. And if I never get any other message through to anybody in doing this show, other than you can do anything you want. It's not just a poster on the primary school walls with a kitten. You can do anything you want. You just have to decide to do it. It breaks my heart. I used to see those comments. I wish I could do what you do. And I would comment back, you can. And the more I see them, the more it breaks my heart. Because I realize, I'm realizing how many people walk around in this world thinking they cannot limiting themselves, telling themselves no, before they even give themselves the chance. There's no reason you cannot do what you want to do. It's all a story that you tell yourself. 
there's no difference between you and me and Steve Harvey and Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jordan and Howard Schultz. Everybody has the same access. I'm not saying the struggles aren't going to be different for everybody. I'm not saying that the obstacles aren't going to be different, but we all have the power of free will. You have a choice that you can make in this life to live the biggest, boldest, most genuine, authentic version of your life, or you have the choice to shrink back in to the den of comfort that you know isn't for you. So I hope the story of Steve Harvey today really puts that into perspective. And I hope if you go listen to The Daily Dash, listen to the Howard Schultz story when everybody told him Starbucks was a stupid idea. And all of this, all of the stories that I plan on doing once a week on The Daily Dash, because if those don't inspire you, if those stories don't inspire you, there is nothing I can say that will. That's on tenacity. Mic drop. Mic drop. You had me, you had me crying. <laughs> I almost cried. I almost yeah. cried because yeah. his, his story is... You did is... great. You did great. Definitely don't have anything to add after that. That was... That should just mic drop. Have it as a mic drop. That's what it was. I guess that that's on tenacity and if you guys liked this episode um if you haven't already very grateful for everyone who has um rated our podcast um helps push it in front of more people helps us keep doing what we're doing um so if you could do that very grateful for you um we announced on our Instagram this past after dropping episode nine that we're going to be posting some more bonus content to the Patreon. We always end up having usually decently long conversations before we start actually recording. Um, and they're usually pretty funny or entertaining or sometimes inspirational or just kind of a grab bag of things. You never really know. Um, so we're going to be posting those to the Patreon um, for your guys' um, enjoyment. <laughs> but um, you can find us at the Dropouts FM as an FM radio on Instagram. That is also our Gmail. You can contact us there. Um, we'll probably see it faster on the Instagram. Um, and then we also have our website, thedropoutsfm.com where you can download the My Ideal Life workbook if you haven't already. I know a lot of my maker maker mentorship peeps have now done it and they loved it. But yeah, I think that's about it. If you yeah, if you if you found inspiration in in this show and you think somebody else would find inspiration in it, if you would share it with somebody, text it to somebody, copy the link, put it on your Facebook, share it with an individual who needs to hear it. That would be a symbiotic relationship for everybody. Yeah. With that being said, I guess we will see you guys next time. Goodbye.